right, well, I'm just excited about God. I'm excited about Jesus and all that he's done. I'm excited about the church of Jesus Christ in this day, in this hour. I'm excited about our local church. That took a little while to kick in. You know, God placed us here to love people to life. He placed us here to be a house of miracles. He placed us here to be a multi-generational, multicultural church. He placed us here, and we have upon us a spirit of, of grace and faith and generosity. And those four values that God has placed on us, we are going to live out. We're living out. And so be excited about what God's doing in your life, about what he's doing in the life of his church worldwide, what he's doing in the life of this local church. Amen. Amen. Do you come with expectation each week? Do you come ready for the word, to receive a word from the Lord? Amen. Well, I have some to give you today. There are three things I want to share with you. Today we're going to receive communion. This is a holy thing for me. It's a covenant. It's, it's me saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I agree with what you did on the cross, and uh, I'm going to set myself in agreement with that perfect work. And so today we're going to talk about communion. And usually when we receive communion, we, we uh, share with you scripturally uh, about communion. And you think, well, I've learned about everything there is to know through the years about what communion is. But uh, how many of you know we got a lot of new dogs in here who don't need to be taught old tricks? Just they're, they're ready and hungry to be fed. That should be all of us. And so uh, today we're going to share communion, the covenant that God made with us. I want to begin, first of all, there are three things I want to get across to you. One is breaking bread, what that means in Scripture. Two is then the, the spiritual application or value of that. And then thirdly, it's the physical value or application of that. So I want to begin, though, first with breaking bread. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. How many of you know that's something to aspire to? For the church of Jesus Christ to be in unity in the house of the Lord. If the church can be in unity, then we can go into the world and preach the gospel, preach the power, the miracle-working power of Christ. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now this passage speaks to early believers initiating a custom or a tradition of sharing a meal from house to house. I grew up in a time when one of the major things about church life was after church, you would go to different families' homes and just share fellowship and share food. Anybody remember those days? And uh, they were important days. They were important events. Of course, it was about relationships being fostered. It was about community. Some of my fondest memories were of my family on Sunday night after church. We would go to someone else's home or, or someone else would come to ours. And for us, there were six children. So if you invite the Villalobos clan 
um, you know, that may mean that your weekly budget for food might be cut in half. And, and so, but it was a great time. We always look forward to those times. And if this scripture were written today, it might say from restaurant to restaurant. But the point is community and fellowship around uh, the simplicity of our relationship with Christ. Now, let me give you a little bit of history this morning. The first converts to Christ were some 3,000 Jews who recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. And in the book of Acts, they gave their heart, soul, and body to the Lord. They became converts. Now, the, the problem with conversion, especially Jewish conversion, was that now there was going to be a whole lot of persecution. So instead of worshiping at the temple where they would be persecuted, they begin to meet in the homes. It wasn't that they were anti the temple. It's just that there was a great deal of persecution. So they would, they would meet in homes. And there are countries today where people are doing just that. They can't worship in church buildings. They can't worship in temples for fear of the persecution, for fear of their lives <clears throat> being at stake. And so instead, they worship in what we call the underground church. They have places of meetings in homes. Uh, and and uh, they, they relationship with the Lord and each other in that way. In Acts chapter 20, verse 2, Scripture says, While there, it, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. This is in reference to the Apostle Paul, who's traveling in ministry, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. But notice it, it says, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. And you thought I preached long. <clears throat> So Paul gathers with believers in every town that he went to, and he would teach them the word, he would preach and exhort them, and they would share a meal together. The Amplified in Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 4 through 6 says this, And they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other uh, different foreign languages, tongues, as the Spirit gave them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. All right, uh, this is not it. I have, it's, it's Acts chapter 2, verse 46, which is why the delay. Where are my glasses? Who took my glasses? <sighs> Thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. There again is the unity of the church coming together in the temple. And in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts. Now, the reason I read you this scripture is because... There is a move afoot in our contemporary culture to do away with the gathering, with, with church. 
Uh, people want to, to say, well, let's go back to the early church model and let's, let's uh, have church in homes. We don't need the gathering. Let's do it like, like the early church did. As, as I researched this, I found at least 10, at least 10 places in Scripture where both Bible commentary and Bible scholars agree that most of the places in the book of Acts where it talks about sharing meals together house to house, from house to house, it's actually not referring to worship or a, as we would call it, a worship service. They still went to the temple as persecution died down. They still went to the temple. When it talks about sharing a meal from house to house in the book of Acts, for the most part, it's referring to receiving communion, as we call it, or the Lord's Supper. Actually, what they were doing in their homes is doing what the Hebrew uh, uh, believers that the Hebrew Israelites did in the Old Testament, experiencing Passover together. So the New Testament book of Acts, house to house meals that were shared really was in addition to them meeting in the temple. So uh, when we talk about house to house, when we talk about breaking bread, for the most part in the book of Acts, it's referring to them coming together to receive the Lord's Supper. It's a New Testament version of the Old Testament Passover. That's what they would share together. All right, enough uh, church history for now. Let's get back to why 2,000 years later, we are still receiving the Lord's Supper or what we call communion. Now, uh, there, there are two reasons. These are well documented. We've taught on them in depth. I'm not going to do that this morning, but there are two reasons. The first of which gives us great spiritual value. The spiritual value that can be found in the Lord's Supper or in what we call communion. <clears throat> Let's go to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read the first four verses out of the NIV. Now, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of those days he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The, the message Bible says it takes more than bread to really live. The point is when it comes to the Lord's Supper, it, when we are receiving communion, the, the elements, the focus is the broken body of Christ, his shed blood. And we use food as a symbol of what we are celebrating in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and what it is morphed to here in, in 2017 uh, is a little cracker and uh, a little bit of juice. 
and I, uh, you know, crackers and juice is hardly a supper fit for the Lord, but um, it's, it's what we do to symbolize. I mean, if Jesus came to your house for dinner, you certainly wouldn't, you know, serve him crackers and juice in a little tiny cup. You, you wouldn't do that. I mean, I, I, you know, I would probably have some nice burritos that I had made, some Spanish rice, Joyce's salsa, maybe some guacamole with chips, certainly a little bowl of menudo to, you know, get the juices flowing. If, if Jesus came to my house, I don't know what he would have if he came to your house. I know what he would have if he came to my house. But when we celebrate communion, um, you think initially Jesus on the cross and what he did for us, and we're going to celebrate it by having some crackers and juice. Well, I want to I take into account this morning the Lord's Supper that we call communion, and I want to show you the power and the value of this spiritually for us. It's not just about us coming and having some crackers and juice. Luke chapter 22 beginning at verse 1. Verse 1 says, Now, the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover, which, again, was what most of the early church was celebrating when they had bread, broke bread from house to house. They were celebrating the New Testament version of Passover. Now, the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching. Then in verse 7 Scripture says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And in verse 14, we read this. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. So, it's Passover, and Jesus and the disciples come together to do the New Testament version of the Old Testament Passover. It's what we call communion today. Now, I'm quite sure they had a little more than, than, than a little cup of grape juice and a few crackers that they bought at the grocery store. I'm sure they had much, much more than that. Then we read this in verses 17 through 20. So after he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I want to just say I'm thankful for the little cup that we each have individually. Joyce and I went to a, a, a Lutheran church one time. Our nephew uh, had some uh, ceremony taking place, and so we went to, to service there uh, to celebrate, and um, we came up to have communion around the altar, and there's our entire family, you know, of 30, 40 people, and so they, we had one cup, and you pass it around. I was never so glad to be at the front of that line. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He, he knew what was coming. And he took bread, the next verse says, and he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He wasn't just telling them, hey, remember the good times we had walking 
to Jerusalem. Hey, remember the time when we walked on water and Peter sunk? Remember that? No, he wasn't talking about those kinds of, of remembrances. He knew what he was about to do. He knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so what we have here is an account of communion. Now I want you to, to fast forward all the way to verse 39. Because now Jesus, they are finished with, with what we call communion. And he has taken his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now the Garden of Gethsemane uh, was a place that the, Jesus had visited often in his life. When he wanted to get away to pray, that's where he would go. And when he wanted to spend some time uh, talking to somebody, that's where he would go. When he met with Nicodemus, that's where they were. The Garden of Gethsemane it was an important spiritual place to Jesus. And so <clears throat> Jesus went out <clears throat> as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, Garden of Gethsemane, he said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling <clears throat> to the ground. Now, we just read this account. We've read it many, many times. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are with him, and we find that he's praying earnestly. He's praying. There's anguish in his prayers, so much so that there is his sweat is like drops of blood falling to the ground. And... <clears throat> And uh, while we read it and know that there was things taking place, uh, the, the question that we need to answer today in, in regards to communion is why after communion <clears throat> did Jesus go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and then have this, this incredible moment of prayer that we've all talked about historically from that point on? Why? Would Jesus pray in such a way and with such anguish that, that his sweat became blood as it fell to the ground? Why would his prayer, this battle, this fight, be so strong that God had to send an angel from heaven to strengthen him? Why? What's going on? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 tells us this in the day who in talking about Jesus in the days of his flesh or while he was on the earth when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him God who was able to save him from death when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying with anguish, so much so that, that his, his sweat became drops of blood, 
So much so that God, in this fight, in this battle, had to send an angel to strengthen him so that he would not die there in the garden. Because physically, that's what was about to happen. Jesus was about to die in the garden of Gethsemane before he got on the cross. But that wasn't his time. That wasn't where he was supposed to die. And so God sent an angel in his moment of physical weakness. And as per our teaching the last few weeks, when you are weak, then he is strong. In his moment of weakness, God sent Jesus a little bit of grace. And that grace empowered him to fulfill. In your moment of weakness, never forget, God's always ready to send a little grace to empower you and get you back on track. And that's exactly what was happening in the Garden of Eden. So what's going on? Jesus receives communion. He goes into prayer. It's intense. His body is doing crazy things. And he's emotionally wrought. What is going on? I believe during those three hours that Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe that the sins of mankind were being transformed onto his body, onto his heart. The sins of mankind were being placed on him. Listen, Jesus wasn't a wimp. People have faced death with bravery. What happened in the garden, his anguish, him crying out to God, if it's possible, let this pass for me. It wasn't talking, he wasn't talking about just dying. He was talking about taking the sins of mankind on himself. I mean, look, there are a lot of people who die with bravery and courage. And certainly Jesus could have done that in the flesh, in the natural. But that's not what this is about. His anguish, his cry, his cry out to Father, let this pass from me. That was all about the sins of the world being transferred onto him in those three hours. And they had to be. It actually is a picture of, of the Old Testament when the priests would put the sin on the what? The goats, the lambs. And they would, they would send them out into the wilderness. The sins of the people placed on the goats. They were the scapegoats for man's sin. Jesus became the scapegoat for you and I in the Garden of Gethsemane. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 in the NIV says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Woohoo! I get excited about that verse. I get excited about that verse because what it says is, is God exchanges my unrighteousness, my filth, my sin for his. And the only way that can happen is for him to become a scapegoat for me. Then uh, in, in the American Standard Version, the same verse says, him, Jesus, who knew no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what Jesus was experiencing in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isaiah 53, the prophet, looking into the future, verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When you shall make his soul an offering for sin, 
He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Thank God for what Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane. That's why Jesus said to the father, let this cup pass from me. In, in Jesus' weakest moment, grace came. Amen. Strength came. In our weakest moments spiritually, grace comes. Forgiveness comes. Strength comes. That's what we're going to celebrate today in communion. In a moment, we're going to receive the strength of the Lord. I don't know spiritually where you're at today, but if you're weakened, if you're in a state of, of, of being wore out, being dry, being destitute, if, if you're in a moment of weakness spiritually, as we celebrate communion, as we drink together of the blood of Christ, know this, the empowering grace of God, if you will allow it, will come and overwhelm you. Yeah. It will strengthen you and lift you up. That's what we have to look forward to in just a moment when it comes to the blood of Christ. Yes. He carried it for us. But there's a third value. And that value is physical. There are physical implications. And I'm not going to spend much time with this at all, except to say this. God desires for your life health. God desires for your body health. Think about that for a moment. If you're sick right now, if you're diseased, close your eyes. If there's sickness in you, if there's disease in you, as a matter of fact, we, we all go there. We've all been there. Everybody close your eyes for a moment. And, and I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God's desire for you is health. Let that sink in. He's on your side. His desire for you is health. All right. Third John. Chapter 1, verse 2 says, Dear friend, the word friend in Scripture always denotes covenant relationship. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. This is the word of the Lord to us today. Psalm 103 verses 2 through 5 in the NIV says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and don't forget his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Look, I know we spend too much time and energy thinking about why we don't qualify for this. Is there anybody like me that's always trying to talk Scripture out of what it really means? I mean, I know that mean, what that means, and, 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 but, you know, uh, I've had a rough week, or I've had a rough month, or I've had a rough year, and, uh, you know, I could have done better. I know to do better. I could have served the Lord stronger. I, I should have been in my word more. And we try to talk the Lord out of what he's provided for us freely. We try to tell him that we don't qualify. Stop the noise. Stop the insanity. 
You know what insanity, my definition of insanity is? To know the truth and yet believe the lie. Listen, God, I told Pastor Don this morning, I I wrote this down in my notes because I didn't want to forget it because it's what the Lord said to me this morning. I am an easy touch when it comes to healing. The Lord is an easy touch when it comes to your body. Why? Because he's full of compassion. Healing and compassion radiate from him. Even when God's own people rebelled Israel, he responded to their cry. Psalm 107, verse 17. Fools because of their transgression. Any, anybody sin lately? Because of their iniquities, iniquities are repeated sins, perhaps generational, things that, that you, you, you do over and over and over again. You cry out to God, why, Lord, am I like this? Why do I have this Achilles heel? Um, and, and affliction comes because of iniquities. We're foolish because of our transgression, our sins. Verse 18 says, Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, because it wasn't his, and he saved them out of their distresses, which this verse says they brought on by themselves. It, It was their fault. He sent his word. And healed them and delivered them from the destructive path they'd put themselves in. Listen, if you're here today and you've put yourself in a destructive path, you got your body where it is. Or if you're here and, and, you know, life happened, bad things happened. Um, Regardless, the point is, regardless of why you're diseased, regardless of why you're sick, God is so full of compassion and healing, so much so that it oozes out of him, that he's an easy mark when it comes to your health. And he wants to release what he has into your life. So communion today is the celebration of God's heart towards your spiritual life and his heart towards your physical life. It's his joy to forgive you and and give you grace his lordship. It's his joy to heal you. So on that note, we're going to celebrate communion together. I'm going to ask our ushers to help us this morning serve you communion. And as they serve you communion, hold the crackers and the juice, which represent Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. Hold them until we all can receive together the power of resurrection in his shed blood and in his broken body. Ushers, go ahead and begin to serve the people. And as they do, I want to remind you of something. Uh, This is a moment now for you to, to meditate on not your sinfulness, but meditate on the goodness of the Lord what he did on the cross 
The Bible says if there are any among you who uh, are sick and weakly and are di- and are weak and are dying, it it says it's because you've not discerned the Lord's body. The word discern means revelation. What that means is is you don't have a revelation of what Jesus did on the cross. Well, after this morning's message, hopefully you do. It says, let a man examine himself. The examination should be happening every single day. It should happen every time we come before the Lord. But right now, don't think about you. Think about him. Don't disqualify you. Think about how he has qualified you. Discern, get a revelation of his body broken for you, healing. Get a revelation of his shed blood. Will you today celebrate what the Lord did for you on the cross? Bible says as often as you do this or every time you do this remember what I did on the cross for you body of Christ, bread. The wheat is pulled from the field and it's crushed and broken to become fit for our use in this form. Christ's body was broken, crushed so that our body receive the benefit of what he did. Right now, the the healing power of God 
flowing and oozing out of Christ. Father, I pray in this moment, as we partake together of your broken body, that with a smile on our face, we'll know, get a revelation of how much you want us healthy and whole. And upon this truth, we stand for our own health and for the health of those around us. And we set our hearts in agreement that as a church family, we'll walk in health, we'll live in health so that we might minister in health. We have a call of God on our lives to love people, to life, to be a house of miracles, to be multi-generational, multicultural. We have a call on our life to, to operate and live in faith with grace and generosity flowing. Father, we can't minister those things to the world around us apart from health. And so today, we join ourselves in agreement that your re resurrection power brings healing to us in this moment as we celebrate your compassion towards our bodies, your joy in us being healthy and whole so that we might fulfill your purposes on the earth. And when he broke bread the Bible says he said eat this is my body broken for you do it as you remember why I've done this to keep you healthy and whole in Christ Jesus name let's eat together Father, that your power touches bodies, ministers health to our flesh, even now. Thank you that we look into your smiling face and say thank you for all that you've done for us physically. In Christ Jesus' name we pray together. The Bible says that he took the cup representing his shed blood said when you drink this remember why my blood was shed today Lord we know we recognize the anguish you went through we recognize that what you experienced in the garden of Gethsemane you took upon yourself our sin so that today we wouldn't have to carry it the guilt the shame you desire that we not live that way and so today you grace us, those of, 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 of us who are here today who feel spiritually weak, you grace us with strength that has come by the power of your blood. We receive it together by faith. We celebrate our righteousness in you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Let's partake together. Let's stand. Father, we're so grateful for health for our flesh, righteousness to live in, yours. We set our hearts in agreement. And with this health, and with our righteousness, 
we will touch the world with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone said, 